Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. As we have just completed week one of the 2022 NFL season, the Philadelphia Eagles defeated the Detroit Lions 38-35 in a game that was a lot closer uh, than probably should have been. I'm your host, Elgie Hero, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, that game, it should have been a night. It should have been on cruise control towards the end, and it was anything but. Yeah, you you pretty much nailed it. I mean, it's there's gonna we're gonna talk about the good, which are some good, but there's some bad, and there is some ugly, and there is uh no more Derek Barnett for the rest of the 2022 season. So well, it's not like, take that well, as you must, as you it, would. It's not like we heard much of him or the rest of the defensive line, uh, for that matter, in week one against Detroit. Uh, I know. Fun I fact: I saw uh, Shane Shane Half, who's a proud member of the Painted Lines just posted a tweet saying that Hassan Reddick, like we wanted, rushed the passer 82% of the time he was on the field and produced zero pressures of any kind. Well, and their one sack was phony because it was a bad snap that uh, Jared Goff wasn't able to handle and uh, Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox uh, got half a half a sack on that. Uh, whether they deserved it or not is, is a different question, but the Eagles got one sack in week one. They're on pace for, you know, 17 for the year. No, but uh, before we get before we dive deeper into the game, as always, remember to follow the Kelly Green Hour on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJHero54. Follow the Painted Lines on Twitter and YouTube at the Painted Lines. And you can follow Edge of Philly Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Edge of Philly Sports. So, Connor, um, didn't start out well, Detroit jump. And I think we kind of, uh, on Friday in our preview episode, we both may have kind of alluded to you have to weather the early storm. And that's what the Eagles did. Detroit came out running the football straight down the Eagles' throat. And Shane um, half actually put out that, uh, that stat, uh, I think it was Monday morning or after the game on Sunday, where the Eagles with – Jordan Davis not on now. He only played 22 snaps, so it's a very small sample size. With him not on the field, the Eagles gave up 10 yards per carry. With him on the field, they gave up 2.9 yards per carry. Um, now, that could have just been circumstances, you know, or maybe just Jordan Davis. Even though he didn't get double team, we didn't hear his name. He didn't get much pressure. He was doing his job. He is a nose tackle. What is the nose tackle supposed to do? Clog up the middle of the middle of the the line. And that's what he did when he when he was on the field. Um, there was I think Detroit had one 19, 20 yard carry when he was on the field. But other than that, he did his job. Now, obviously, twenty two snaps is a uh, is a is a small sample size. But the fact that he got out or he didn't play as much as Marlon Tui Lolopo um, that that concerns me a little bit. I know the Eagles drafted uh, Marlon last year. I think it was last year. But 
Jordan Davis is the number 14 overall pick. He needs to be on the field. I'm not asking him to go out there and play 50, 60 snaps, but give me 30. Give me 35 snaps. I don't know what Jonathan Gannon was thinking this week. And he, Jonathan Gannon, I, I think I mentioned it on Friday. There were two concerns, Jalen Hurts and Jonathan Gannon. While Jalen Hurts, there's still a little bit of a concern because he's they're still running the same offense they ran last year. I didn't see much difference. Yeah, he had that really nice 54-yard pass to A.J. Brown. But other than that, it still seemed like it was a one-read run type of offense. But beyond that, Jonathan Gannon had a horrible day. Yeah, the, de- the, the, the defense didn't tackle well. They had 16 missed tackles, which was second most in the NFL, only to Carolina. But, dude, you have to make adjustments. And it didn't seem like he made adjustments at all to what Detroit was doing, especially in the run game. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And and I kind of talked about Marlon Tupaluto and I posted a tweet and I caught a lot of flack for it because they said, well, don't you want your best players on the field? Granted, yes, I want my the best players on the field. I get he made a couple nice plays. He did some good things. But you traded up for Jordan Davis. You drafted Jordan Davis in the first round. I'm sorry. I think Marlon Tupaluto could have done the same on 20 snaps as he did on 30 snaps. At the end of the day, to me, that's the thing. You want your the people you invested in to make this team better out there as much as possible. And I get it. Some people said Hargrave and Cox were kind of gassed by the second half. I get that. That's fine. But Jordan Davis and Milton Williams played less than Marlon. I'm just going to call them Marlon for simplicity's sake. Me too. Um, but uh, you like those are your guys. Your future is Milton Williams and Jordan Davis when potentially Hargrave's in the last year of his contract. Fletcher Cox is in the last year of his contract. The future is next year. And if you, you're telling me you put a third-round pick in Milton Williams, a first-round pick in Jordan Davis, and you don't trust either of them to be on the field over your – I think he was a sixth-round pick last season, six, fifth or sixth-round pick in Maryland. I'm sorry. I get it. He did some good things, but he was effective on individual plays. Jordan Davis's stat stands out as he was efficient when on the field. And I understand there's probably mo- – we have to adjust because Jordan Davis is a nose tackle. He is not going to be a guy who goes and produces like Aaron Donald who's going to get sacks, who's going to necessarily get after the quarterback and get those sexy, flashy stats. He's a guy who's going to eat the A gap, the B gap. He's going to eat up two gaps, and he's going to eat up two guys, and he is going to open – the field up for Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, for those guys to make a play because there's one less body that is focused on blocking. And we have to adjust to that with Jordan Davis because people are just going to think, well, he's, it's like Fletcher Cox all over again, except he's just not going to get after the quarterback as often as we would hope. And that's the difference in a nose tackle and a defensive tackle and how they operate in and why they're called that in a 3-4 versus a 4-3 and so on and so forth. So we have to get used to that with Jordan Davis. If he's eating up holes and there's no – and it kind of shows. If they had 2.9 yards per carry when he was on the field, they were probably having to p- push the play outside, and the linebackers were able to move that way, the safeties were able to move that way, the corners were able to move that way, and there's half a field. They, they're forced to pick a side instead of being able to go through a gap or anything like that. So I think that that was huge, and that – 
people don't sometimes don't understand how important that is to force them to one side of the field and everyone can move to that one side of the field. Yeah, and I know, like you mentioned, Marlon had a, had a couple good plays. Though I think on the uh, interception return for a touchdown by Bradbury, which was tipped by Kaiser White, to, uh, Marlon was able to get pressure up the middle to force the force the the quick throw um, because Hawkinson made a move, and if Goff had half a second more, he would have been able to hit Hawkinson down the seam. So I mean, yes, he made good plays, but. Like, and then I also had a few guys say, you know, the Lions the offensive line is one of the best in the league. You do people people do know we're supposed to have one of the best defensive lines in the league. I so think when that, you go I think to the whole Lord, having the best defensive line in the league is a little overrated. I think I think it could be a little over. We have a lot of depth, but we have a lot of guys who haven't really full on produced like we want them to. Josh Sweat got a big contract. He hasn't produced. Some Reddick got a big contract and he did nothing in his first game, which is his first game. Same with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He's catching some flack. I think he had the most missed tackles on the team. I think he had three. He's catching flack. I get it. The fact that he was able to play the entire game after 11 days, pretty much the entire game, only missing coming out for a couple plays, he was still all over the field. Like, the one thing Mm -hmm. I'm like, look, he missed some tackles yet, but he was able to get to the spot that he was supposed to get to. And And the missed tackles wasn't just him. It was the entire defense. So, you know, I don't know how, obviously, because they don't hit in, they didn't hit in camp. They're not definitely not going to hit in practice. Obviously, it comes with game time. But I am encouraged by Chauncey Gardner Johnson because he, like I mentioned, he was 11 days here. Obviously, like a lot of defenses are similar. So all he has, all they have to tell him is look, I think Darius Slay said it. um, He said, while communication issues, there was communication issues. The only thing that they pretty much told Gardner Johnson was see ball, get ball, hit hit person. Like, just get to the football. And he had no issues with that. Obviously, there was issues with tackling, but I think that's something that they can fix, hopefully, and they better. I mean, Friday we'll get into this discussion more, but that Vikings team, man, you cannot miss tackles against that team. If you if you have the same defensive effort that you had against Detroit and against Minnesota, it's going to be a long night. Shout out Birdman951 saying, what's up, fellas? What's up, man? Thank you for checking us out. Um, yeah, but leave I, comments, everybody. Comment on your thoughts on the game. Uh, maybe who was the player of the game? What was an aspect of the game that uh, encouraged you, discouraged you? Let us know. We definitely will discuss it. Absolutely. And, I mean, it, it's tough. Like, 28 carries for 181 yards. That's what we gave up on the ground. Like, that's a tough pill to swallow, especially when we were – a pretty good team against the run last season. I mean, we could call we it. Been, we haven't been that good in the last couple of, like we used to be top five easy against the run for under chip, even under chip um, under Doug, but a lot in the first couple of years under Doug, but the last couple of years, it's just been, I don't know. Maybe it's just the defensive lines getting older. Fletcher Cox is getting mm-hmm. older. Brandon Graham is obviously losing Brandon Graham last year hurt a lot with that. Cause he's really good. And, Look, and it showed. The- it showed that in this game, his presence was there. I think he had a couple quarterback hits. He obviously had the half sack. Like mm-hmm. he played a crucial part. And you can't have a reliance on Brandon Graham. He's not going to be around forever. And obviously, there is the expectation, especially when playing such a physical position, that he's likely going to continue to trend slowly downwards mm-hmm. over the next couple seasons and you have money in Josh Sweat you have money in Hassan Reddick 
You have, well, we had Derek Barnett. We don't have Derek Barnett anymore. So a guy like Patrick Johnson is probably going to have to step up. They, we have they, young guys who need to step up. And they signed Janarius Robinson off Minnesota's practice squad so that he can come here and provide more depth at the edge position. Um, but ever since Josh, I'm going to talk about Josh Sweat because he, he started out last year pretty good. He was getting after the quarterback. But ever since he got paid, it's been different. He hasn't been able to get to the quarterback. And then obviously, and I, th- I think the, the playoff game he wasn't able to play or the um, because of he had that uh, really major injury that, that really could have uh, cost him. But, like, we need to see something out of him. Like you mentioned, we gave him money. Uh, Hassan, they did look – I don't want to use the word out of shape, but they definitely looked like they hadn't played in a football game in a long time. I'm hoping that now that they got that into their system, they know what it, what it feels like, you know, after, you know, having that sh- – uh, the Charmin soft type of training camp that they had that now they, they know the expectations going into to the rest of the games this season. Um, and, and I don't even know if having a tough training camp, Detroit had a, a tougher training camp, but it is Detroit. Detroit's not supposed to be that good of a team. And like Detroit still lost. They still had communication issues. They still had, um, you know, just a, a bunch of issues. But, and I actually agree with you, Dave, I think Robinson is just to get insight on Minnesota. Uh, yeah, the, the, the irony of the move and the team that he came he'll, he'll be cut on he'll be cut on Tuesday next week, um, unless he unless he has a couple of big plays. But yeah, like now, hopefully that, that they got their footing, that they'll be able to come out. Dude, the link is gonna be rocking on Monday night, the home opener, a Monday nighter, um, Buck and Aikman in the house. Like, if the Eagles come out flat again and, and give up, you know, seven yards of rush and give up. 40 points to Minnesota. I mean, there's going to be a lot of talk Tuesday morning. But Jonathan Gannon needs to figure this out. Jonathan Gannon needs to be able to adjust on the fly, not adjust at halftime or wait till the next week. You need to be able to, in between series, bring your guys over to the to the sideline and be like, dude, we need to fix this, that, and that. You know, talk to Tracy Walker, the defensive line coach. Get you know, tell him what what you're looking for to get your your guys up uh, after the quarterback. You if you let Jared Goff sit back there and make lunch after lunch after lunch and not get touched. Kirk Cousins has better weapons. He's a better quarterback than, than Jared Goff. Has a better, I mean, you know, while DeAndre Swift is really good and had a good game, Dalvin Cook's better. I think the offensive line might be like, you can't have the same game plan and not get pressure on this upcoming opponent. Not it, it was so frustrating when, you know, it looked like the Eagles were up 31-14, I think it was. And it was like, all right, like finally they got their mojo. And then Detroit just goes down the field. Like hot knife, hot knife through butter. And it was just so far. And it's not like the Eagles offense turned the ball over to give short fields to, to Detroit. Detroit had to go 70, 75, 80 yards sometimes. They still did it against the defense. That was the most frustrating part. Yeah, watching those chunk plays over and over again was just so the Russian, like DeAndre Swift, just 20 yards after 20 yards. And then Jamal Williams just pounding the raw. He's a tough dude. He's a he's a good running back for the job and the role that he has there. And he was just the hammer they needed to get those extra few yards and, and get those couple of scores that he provided them. Um, fun fun fact, Josh, what was the highest ranked defensive player on uh, PFF? Um, he for had the three, Eagles or for the week? For the Eagles. He had three seven. total pressures. One hit, two hurries, which was second to only Brandon know. Graham. But I, I mean, either. I didn't notice anybody on the defensive line getting anywhere near Jared Goff. 
No, there was a couple plays where you saw like a l- things collapse and Buddy would get the ball out or the play never came to fruition as a sack or anything that we want to see. Um, but we just want to see you. You got to make these guys' lives miserable. You got to make their lives really difficult. And they weren't doing that with Jared Goff. And if you can't do it with Jared Goff, you definitely may struggle to do it against Kirk Cousins. And you need to be able to do it against Kirk Cousins. Those are guys you do not want. There's only one thing, and that was Matt Stafford is the bet that stat that he was the best quarterback against blitz last year and the bills never blitzed him and matt stafford had an atrocious game on thursday night that would be the only time i would say okay jonathan Gannon, you don't have to blitz but you better have the personnel to stop stafford and the run game when time when push comes to shove so that's the same thing in these situations if the guy's super good against pressure or on uh, against blitzes okay you can kind of lay off a little bit bring your four-man pressure and see what you can do but that's a rare very rare occasion and you never hear something like that stat with matthew stafford and and the buffalo bills defense that's just crazy but otherwise um defensively i mean a couple names kaiser white had a really good game i thought kaiser white did a really good job um he did have a couple missed tackles but he had a couple good stops he had some good tackles he did a really good job of course like you mentioned he tipped the ball to james bradbury that resulted in james bradbury getting his first pick with us and a score at the same time mm-hmm. um hope giants fan like that i know the giants won which was a shocker but i hope they like that bradbury looked like i saw at the end of that game it was a wild finish blind a ball well, speaking of wild the finishes most, not to change the, not to change the subject that what the the ending of the Seattle uh, Denver game was ridiculous. Like, what the heck was Denver thinking with all those timeouts? Like, come on, you paying you're paying Russell Wilson two hundred forty five million dollars. This dude's got to cook. You want to come out here and kick a sixty four yard field goal, the second longest NFL history, to try to win the game? I know McManus has the leg, but come on. Sorry, I didn't mean to change. This agreed, up. agreed. There was some wild finishes. This was a crazy well, week. It was, it was football. a crazy work week. If if this is what every week's gonna be like. A, I might die early as an Eagles fan because that means all our games are going to be close. And B, man, it was crazy, and I will enjoy every week. Absolutely. Um, Nicobe Dean playing three snaps, while surprising, was not overly surprising. I think they do want to wean him into it, which is okay. He was a third-round pick. He was coming off some injury concerns. I get it. And not the same circumstance as Jordan Davis. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not the same circumstance. Jordan Davis had every reason to be out there 30, 40 snaps of that game. I, I see no reason not to be. Um, just running down the list. Avante Maddox had a tough game. He also had three missed tackles. He had a really tough game. I think game. he had about five kit- catches on like six. Five uh, catches on six targets for 59 Darius yards. While also he- didn't have that great. Like Darius Slade gave up. It was a really good throw by Goff and whatnot. But um, but big play Slay didn't have the greatest game either. Bradbury probably had the best of the, the, the corners. Uh, Marcus, Marcus Epps. Epps had a good game while PFF rates him really low, which I always we we scrutinize PFF on this. Marcus Epps, had, he he stepped up into the role we want him to step up into. So we can't deny that he stepped up and he had a pretty good game. He had a better game than Chauncey Gardner Johnson, his his uh, his mate at the safety position. So so that's one a thing start. I, and I, one thing I think we noticed though, if the Eagles can play Slay Bradbury Maddox. Johnson, Gardner Johnson, and Epps, you know, 99% of the time, they will. So, like, the only issue and is – it injury. showed. It showed because Jogon Wallace played two snaps. Yeah, the only so issue is going to be injury. 
if if one of them got one of them gets injured, that's where we're going to see the depth issue when it comes to the secondary. That's um, where you're going to see how we have to dig into that ten million dollar pot for next year. And I, I mean, I still think he's going to. Now he 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 did that because I think they're going to eventually give give an extension to either White or Gardner Johnson, which like just something like they just like they did with um, Alshon back in 2017. You know, it was a one year deal. He showed that he was worth it, and then halfway through the year, gave him an extension. I think, and I get it. Like something could happen to where they're going to want to bring in somebody because of an injury. But if they're if they if they don't have to, I think they're going to use some of that money for um, for extension purposes. But the defense was it was just really rough. Like all the worries we had coming into the year about Jonathan Gannon, they were exposed in Week One against a bad Detroit team. Now, Detroit might be better than last year, but they still are a bad team. And they play their heart out. I'll always give it to them. Dan Campbell has those guys like they have the Dan Campbell mentality. They're still not good, but they have the Dan Campbell mentality. And that um, we're going to go out, we're going to give it our all. We know we, they probably don't know. They suck. They probably try not to live by that mantra, but you know, they, they probably know they're not that great and they're probably going to only win three or four games, but how about we flip this to something a little more positive? Offense. The offensive side of the ball. Um, Jalen Hurts. Four, all four running backs scored. <laughs> three plus Jalen, yes. All four running backs scored. Uh, Dave McNulty, my dislike for Gannon is rising to a Howie oh level. Lord. We have to at least – how about we say this? You have to give credit where credit is due. A.J. Brown was a massive Pick oh my god, AJ Brown. AJ now it's gonna to be tough to be an all pro at receiver because you have Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, like uh Devontae Adams. There are a lot of really good receivers, but 155 yards receiving, which set which broke Dante Stallworth's team record for most receiving yards in a debut. Like that was great to see. The only issue, Devontae Smith had four targets, no catches. I and I get it, it was a week one thing, and week by week that can change. Hopefully it does because if you don't get Devontae Smith involved, you don't get Dallas Goddard involved. Now I know Goddard's under contract, so he really can't go anywhere. But Devontae, he may not want to sign an extension. Like he may want to go. Mm-hmm. If, um, obviously, after the game, Devontae saying all the right things. The Eagles won. You don't want to, you don't want to go out there showing like it's all about me. It's all about my personal gain when the team just won, game, won the first game of the year. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's going to be key. It wouldn't shock me, you know, first play of the game. Or within the first series, you're doing a quick pass to Devontae, get him involved, make it see, just show that you know he's still um, an important. Obviously, he's an integral part of the offense, but they, but you want to show him. But and you're right, AJ Brown, as Dave said, AJ Brown did straight up bully the Lions secondary. Like, but he I don't was a think fan among see, boys. my thing is I don't think AJ Brown's gonna repeat this often. Like they're gonna game plan to AJ Brown, especially when you see AJ Brown 13 targets and then no one else had more than four. Goddard, Gainwell, and Devonta Smith all had four targets otherwise. And the point of AJ Brown wasn't necessarily all four. Devonta Smith, but it was meant to open up the field. And the fact that it didn't really open up the field, the fact that it was still, it was just the AJ Brown show and the running back. So I guess it opened up the field for the running backs so because Miles Sanders not, went 13 for 96 and Jalen Hurts went 17 for 90. So did it not open up the field because the quarterback looked at AJ Brown, didn't see it, and then ran? Because that's, that's what it felt like. That's last year's offense, a one read and run offense. And look, I'm not saying that Jalen didn't have a good game. He did. Um, but your quarterback shouldn't be your leading rusher. 
with, with 17 carries. Or I'm going to say 14 because three were, were nail downs. But, like, still, he shouldn't be the one that's leading. Rush. He needs – like, that. They're the one pass to A.J. Brown up the sideline when he got past the, the corner, if he would have hit A.J. Brown in stride, Brown makes the safety misses as he scores a touchdown. But he short-armed it. So AJ Brown had to dive down for the for the for the catch. Like there are still things that Jalen Hurts doesn't do. Look, he had a good game. They got the win, and they won the game probably because of Jalen Hurts because that offensive line did not play good. Um, now they got better throughout the game, but early on, Jalen Hurts was kind of running for his life. And if if there was any other quarterback back there, it might have been an issue. Um, so I guess that's maybe a positive. But I still need to see AJ. Or excuse me. I still need to see Jalen Hurts stand in the pocket, maybe slide up, whatever, and throw the ball downfield. You cannot. If you run the ball 17 times a game, you're going to get hurt, and you're not lasting 17 games. It just won't happen. No, and and the big thing, like when we talked about players who expected to have a big game, you picked Quez Watkins, I picked Devontae Smith. Quez didn't even see a target, and then Devonta Smith saw four, but didn't even make a catch. Yeah. But in Devonta Smith's defense, it looks like Jalen Hurts wants to use him as like the catch ball guy, like throw it up, trust your wide receiver type guy. And obviously that's going to make life pretty hard on Devonta Smith to constantly make catches where he's that type of guy, where he's not being hit in stride, where he can make one guy miss and he's gone for 50 yards or something. It so, makes life a little bit harder on Devonta Smith. You, is, that, is that a Jalen thing or is that a or Sirianni Steichen thing? Like you have to. Put That's them in a tough better to position. say. Yeah, you. I think it's on both because at the end of the day, this is what we saw last year with Devonta Smith. How often was Devonta Smith put in a position where he's making these crazy grabs or having to go way up above the defenders to make the grab? Um, Allison Lombard, a, the RPO is a one read and run offense. That's a high it? school college offense. We can't be. You can, we're not going to be able to win a Super Bowl with this offense. That's why they need to expand it. But I don't know if they trust Jalen Hurts to expand it. And that's the, that's where the issue comes. They don't, we don't know if Jalen Hurts can, I don't want to say learn, but is able to run a pro, pro offense. This is last year. It was this RPO offense. I don't, and maybe we haven't seen the full Sirianni playbook because he doesn't know if Jalen Hurts can run the full Sirianni playbook. Uh oh, And that's an issue. That's, but that's an I, issue. I don't think – and, like, Allison, I get the concept of an RPO offense being a one read and then you have to make the decision, but I think there can be more expansion to it. I think the NFL and their offenses have grown that the RPO isn't necessarily just a one read and then a run. But in our terms, in Jalen Hurts' terms, it's a one read and a run. And you can tell he take, he looks at that read and he runs. But I feel like there's others who operate in the RPO and take their time. I feel like Jalen Hurts and whether this is a Shane Steichen thing, a Nick Sirianni thing, they rush the pass aspect of the run, the pass, or the option. They prefer that it be the run or the option versus the pass. And I don't think they necessarily build it in that there be – routes that open up quick enough for a second read in this RPO offense. I'll have to go back and look at more like all 22 film and kind of watch it and see if there's other people making cuts or in breaking as soon as he has to make that decision. But I'm, I'm going back to 
like when they were in Indianapolis and even the, with the Chargers, they had Phillip Rivers. We didn't see no RPO offense when you had – obviously, it's Phillip Rivers. So, we don't know if – You're not going to option out You're, you're not going to really run with the, the RPO with them. So, like, again, it comes down do, – do they have the faith and the trust in Jalen Hurts to run a – Real, I hate to use the word real offense, but a pro offense. Because yeah, anything, anything like pro offense is so different now. It de- definitely doesn't necessarily mean an RPO offense can't be a pro offense, but it's got to be one that involves more than one read. He has to be able to take his time, look around. But where I see well, like Lamar he kind Jackson, of rushes it. Even Lamar Jackson, we know Lamar Jackson is a hell of an athlete, the fastest you know, quarterback in the league. Maybe. He prefers and, to run, yes. And he, and he likes to run, but – they're not running an RPO offense in Baltimore. He still sits in the pocket and and diagnoses, you know, and, and goes from read one, read two, to read three. Like now, he now how often he does it? That's that's a different question. But they're not sitting there. They don't design the offense as an RPO offense. Am I not? Am, am I mistaken on that? Like, I think they change it up, but like the willingness to let him take it from shotgun or something, like it's more of a more of a pro style offense in regards to it's either a more of a clear run or more of a clear pass, but Lamar turns it into an option himself because he's super athletic and he can mm-hmm. break away those massive runs as well. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they trust him to stand in the pocket speaks volumes. And, and I'm not I mean, saying he's the most accurate of quarterbacks, but he's still, and his receivers aren't as good as what the Eagles have. Rashad Bateman's his number one receiver. And Mark Andrews. Or Mark I mean, Andrews. Okay, Mark Andrews is, is technically the number, but but um, like I should know that because I have him in fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, like it's not. He, I get what you're saying. It's not deep. Like you don't have the option of oh, I don't, I can't, can't hit AJ Brown. What about Dallas Goddard? Oh no, Dallas Goddard. Devonta Smith. Oh, what about Quez Watkins? Like you can't, you can't run down the that you run down the list is Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, probably a running back. And then Devin Duvernay, that's yeah. your that's going to be a run down the list there. And I didn't even include our running backs in there because he loves to target Kenneth Gainwell. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the running backs, they each had, a, again, four rushing touchdowns. All four running backs had um, a touchdown. So, like, the, Miles Sanders getting into the end zone for the first time since December 27th of 2020. It's about time. Um, he didn't get hurt either, which was a shocker. So, give it a couple weeks, I guess. Um so maybe my thoughts. We haven't maybe, seen practice this week. Maybe my thoughts of Trey Sermon becoming the number one back may not happen anytime soon. I drafted him in fantasy just in case as well. <laughs> I doubt it. Like he didn't even make the active roster. And like we knew from day one, like if Miles Sanders is healthy, it's Sanders, it's Gainwell, it's Scott. They're fine with well, three Sermon also backs and they're effective only been with here. Them. Sermon has also only been here for a little bit more than a week, so like he probably doesn't. But know you see the way that roster's laid out. I have a hard time believing come game day you're gonna have four running backs unless one of your lead guys has some sort of injury issue or you don't trust him to put a full load. I don't think. Or one of them is a stu- or Gainwell's returning punts, and you don't have Kofi active or something, and Ga- Gainwell can be your slot a slot receiver yeah, or fifth Kobe. receiver. Yeah, I don't. Really that would be the only Kobe. What? I, I expected more from Kobe, but I mean, he, he, hey, big thing to him. He caught, there the was, ball. he caught the ball. And there was one play that I did not think when, when another Eagle ran into him or got pushed into him, I did not think he'd make that catch. Jalen Rager would muff that. 100%. Jalen Rager wouldn't have gotten near it. 
by the way, and we'll talk about it on Friday, Jalen Rager scoring next week. Just saying. He's definitely going to score next week because it, it's going to happen. So um, you're just going to abuse us with so, Jalen yeah. Rager Justin Jefferson definitely. just to show us. I, I want to talk about the offensive line a little bit. The offensive line did not definitely did not have a good game. Um, Jason Kelsey even admitted after the game that Jalen Hurts kind of saved their butts um, because like it just felt like when – Whenever the Eagles tried to run a screen or something quick, like it, like nobody touched any of the defensive linemen. Um, it was crazy. I don't even know. Did, did Hurts get sacked maybe once? Uh, it's I see one sack allowed, and it was to Kenneth Gainwell. PFF gave it to Gainwell as a sack. So, uh, Yeah, because I think there was – he came right up the middle. Uh, it was Tracy Walker, I think, got the sack. Um he came off the, the side. Tracy of Walker also didn't get to complete the game. That's that's true too. Um Aiden Hutchinson didn't really he didn't really hear us, but you ought to give Lane Johnson didn't give up any pressure. Like Lane Johnson is so good. 40 something jump dropbacks for Hertz and Lane Johnson gave up no QB pressures, hits, hurries, Zero. whatever. Um so like he he comes out starting his uh season off strong. The the left side of um Landon no. Dickerson had a good night like Landon Dickerson had a good night and uh and Lane Johnson had a good night Jason Kelsey had a pretty good night it just I don't like you look at where the pressures were and like you see Kenneth Gainwell allowed some pressures Isaac Samalu allowed a couple Dallas Goddard was responsible for one it's it was a combination of a lot of people. Like it wasn't always the same guy consistently blowing a play or blowing up their assignment. It was always like you'd get a random guy blow it up and then another one and then another one. And it just culminated you, to think that to it give, was a whole offensive line thing, and which it was Aaron, a whole offensive line thing. And you have to give Aaron Glenn, the uh, defensive coordinator for Detroit credit. He brought some exotic blitzes, brought some, and he, there was times that he kind of did all out blitzes and the Eagles just weren't ready for it. Um, they, you That's to, how that was a defensive game plan. I felt that that was creative. I felt he brought pressure when then, he needed to do. He speaking of the Eagles' offense, to. The Eagles' offense didn't have hot routes. They weren't prepared for it at all. Just that, like, have the whether it's Devontae or Quez, have them run across the middle, have the the, the running backs flare out, do something, and the Eagles just weren't ready for it. No, absolutely. Like it just it didn't. There was just a lot about that game. There was a lot of good, and there was definitely a lot of bad that that I was just disappointed in. Um, Which Nick Nicky's kind of right on this. When the quarterback doesn't even attempt to look for his second read and just panics, it makes the pressure look worse than it actually is. And kind of something yeah, we I would love about. to see Jalen Hurts. It doesn't say he created any pressures for himself, but he definitely creates pressures for himself every game. I think if I looked back on PFF last season, he's probably respond. Actually, I think Mahomes is, but he is definitely in top three for pressures created by himself. Like him creating his own pressure, abandoning a pocket or going optioning and just bailing out. And I think Mahomes does, but Mahomes does it like really well. Cause he can like he will He's the best quarterback in football. Oh, him and definitely. Josh He'll Allen, create actually. his own pressure, but when he comes out of the pocket, he doesn't immediately t- treat it as a run. He he can sidearm it, he can do these freaky things with his arm to throw the football. 
and it's an it's an amazing thing to watch. They it, we can now probably put the rest of Tyree Kill like because there was always a lot of talk about when Devontae Adams and Tyree Kill left that you know Devontae Adams made Aaron Rodgers or Tyree Kill made Patrick Mahomes. The Aaron Rodgers one we might be able to talk a bit about, but Christian Watson had a brutal backbreaking drop there. Um, but a guy like Patrick Mahomes, he makes that offense. And, like, that's the thing. Jalen Hurts, when he vacates a pocket, he struggles to keep his his eyes downfield. So there's nothing more you can do. And that's it's it so frustrating. For Patrick Mahomes' sake, it helps that you have Andy Reid, who was used to not having – like, in Philly, the one year – he had T.O. one year. But other years it was Todd Pinkston, James Thrash. I mean, it, we finally got um, – Jackson and Macklin, but had Jason of like he's used to not having that offense that re- that relies on the one receiver, and so he can devise a game plan to get Kelsey involved, Clyde Edwards Hilaire involved, Juju Smith Schuster involved, um, you know, all the other receivers that they have. He can devise a game plan like that, and um. I don't know if Nick Sirianni and, and Shane Steichen are able to do that right now. And that's what they got. They're going to have to find a way because a team is going to come in here. And like you said earlier, put a safety over top AJ Brown. What does Jalen hurts do then? Cause you're not going to be able to force the ball into double coverage. You find it. You find Dallas Goddard. You find Devonte Smith. You, you probably can force it into double coverage, but it's not going to be 13 targets with 10 receptions. But you can uh, certainly attempt to force it. I know he's your best friend. He's a guy you want to target. But no, like you, you're going to have to work. You have so many weapons. The, there was so much national media hype on this team for a reason. And one of the biggest reasons was the offensive weapons around Jalen Hurts. The biggest question mark always remained, is Jalen Hurts the guy? And it's a massive question that's going to need to be answered. And at the end of the day, if you have to waste those first-round picks to move up to get a quarterback, I mean, at the end of the day, you're playing on another rookie contract, which has been very helpful for the Philadelphia Eagles at the quarterback position in recent years. Um, but we'd rather invest those first-rounders in we were supposed to get, edge, corner, wherever you we want to go to that get that answer. weakness. And we were supposed to get that answer last year on Hurts, and we just didn't. A couple things in the chat. Dave, QB talent can hide flaws, hence why we see ours. That is true. Um, if your quarterback is talented, um, you definitely can hide the, the flaws of the coaching staff. Marina Sweat and Reddick were playing in the flat and they were best pass rushers. Reddick is – Reddick actually, and, and uh, Connor put the stat out, rushed the passer 82% of the time. So it he was wasn't – Shane who – Shane who Shane, put yeah, that up. Shane, Shane half put that out. So he wasn't in – he didn't drop into coverage a lot. He dropped he back actually, five times and Sweat dropped back twice. But first of all, Josh Sweat – should never, never drop back. Never. He even allowed a reception and was targeted on one of the ones where he dropped back. Hey, Allison, I think I answered the question. Seven pass drops on defensive ends. And I, I get it. Hassan Reddick, you can probably debate Hassan Reddick and if, if it's okay to drop him back a bit more. But you signed him because of his pass rushing capabilities let's face it let's not let's not sugarcoat this the reason he failed early on in his career was he was an off-ball linebacker who got exposed constantly he was really he was weak in coverage then he went to being a stand-up rusher 
and he had amazing success, and that's what got him paid to come to Philadelphia. So I get it, the pass drops, whatever, it's seven pass drops in an entire game to the defensive end position. Josh Sweat, I'm sorry, Allison, Josh Sweat never should drop back into a pass drop. Never, that's not his job. He was drafted purely as a defensive end. He's an uber-athletic defensive end, yes, but he is not someone who should be pass- dropping back into coverage. Hassan Reddick, you can justify, but like me and L said at the beginning in preseason shows, we don't want to see him drop back 10. 10 is the max. If I ever see him dropping back more than 10 times, I'm going to have some serious question marks. Unless I mean, the front, I have- four, unless the front four are getting ridiculous pressure in that game and Hassan Reddick has no reason to rush, okay. But I ha- the, the rarity of that actually happening... Mm-mm. I mean, I, I have serious question marks about Jonathan Gannon. So, uh, Nikki, Nikki's point on um, Jalen Hurts, step up in the pocket, go through your reads. This is year three of us waiting for him, speaking of Jalen Hurts, to make that step. It's just not going to happen. Hurts is a little more than a gadget QB game manager. He's going to make the perfect backup quarterback. I'll just say it now. I don't know you can win a Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts. I mean, obviously, we would love that to happen this year. He's our quarterback right now. But I don't know if he's ever going to be able to develop. He's the same quarterback we saw at Alabama, same quarterback we saw at Oklahoma, and the same quarterback we saw his first year here. That hasn't changed. Now, has he gotten a little bit more accurate? Maybe a little bit. But he's still a one re. I just don't know if, and I said it earlier in the show, I don't know if Sirianni and Steichen know that they can open up their playbook to, because it's Jalen Hurts, we don't. They don't know if he can read the defense. They don't know if he can read, you know, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. Go one, two, three, and then take off if you need to. Just data. I don't know if they know that they can trust him with that, and that's a big question. That's something we should have already found out, but we haven't found that out. Allison says Hurts threw the ball on time consistently on Sunday, 95% of the time at least, which is way better than last season. I'll agree. So there there is this one thing, and I noticed it with Hurts at the back end of last season, despite the scrutiny that he faced. He He doesn't take sacks. He gets the ball out of his hands. He makes the effort. Does he always make the right decision or put his receivers welcome aboard Matthew with the fire Howie? Um, does he always make does he always make the best decisions or put his receivers in the best spot to make the play? No, but the fact that he doesn't take a lot of sacks and he gets the ball out on time is a positive, Allison. I will absolutely agree with you on that point. And I did notice it getting better, but throwing the ball away or getting the ball away for the sake of getting the ball away can only get you so far, especially when you're what 18 for 32 on the night. 14 of those, some of those have to turn into something. Or the 18 passes, some of those have to turn into better than what they were. So that's my only thing about getting it out on time. He's over. He's improved greatly on taking sacks. So I'll agree with that. Um, Matt, we address Fire Howie every week. Um, Fire Gannon. I'm, I'm there. The, the I'm cries could be a bit louder. Yeah, the cries could be getting a little bit louder, but I'm, we I'm won't say there. it yet. See, Nikki says at the end of the game, when the cards were on the table, they took the ball out of Hurts' hands and let Sanders win that game. They will be drafting a QB. The 2000 is going to be good. The only thing, so the Eagles had the lead, and they were running the ball down Detroit's throat. I don't blame them for handing the ball off to Sanders to get first downs. 
So you don't want the ball turned over. You don't want to put yeah, the ball so, on the ground. Like exactly. You don't want to, you don't want to risk it. You don't want to risk a you know a sack or risk an interception. And most teams, when you're leading, um, are going to run the ball late in the game. So um, that you know, I, I'm not surprised at. Um, but yeah, like Jalen, I want we I want to see we have to see positive steps forward, which I don't think we saw this uh, like. A lot of people are saying we saw the same thing on Sunday that we saw last year when it comes to Jalen Hurts. That's got to change. Um, Minnesota is going to come in here and, you know, they're going to look to take away A.J. Brown. And, you know, Zadarius Smith and Danell Hunter coming off of the, the edges, they're going to test Lane Johnson and Jordan Maialata and this offensive line. Jalen's going to have to be more than that one read, and either roll out, you know, run read throw with the AJ Brown, or one read don't don't see AJ Brown and rolling out to the right, which he likes to do. It's got to change. We need to see more aspects of this offense, which we haven't seen. Um, you know, we didn't see much of last year as well. Yeah, and his adjusted completion percentage was eighty three percent. His completion percentage was fifty six percent. So, is there some blame to put elsewhere along the offense? Definitely, because there could have clearly, if his adjusted percentage is 83%, which is an extremely high adjusted percentage, completion percentage, there were definitely some drops. There was definitely some some things that could have went a little bit differently for for Jalen Hurts, which goes back to Allison's point. They get the ball out on time consistently. Um, it's just a matter of making better decisions, finding the right receiver and making the right play. And hopefully we'll continue to see this. This is a lot of bashing for week one, but of course, what would we be if we weren't overreacting just a little bit? And they won. Like I get it. It was against the lowly Detroit lions. And if they were playing any other team, um, it might have turned into a loss. Except maybe last year, we probably bad last year. We probably lose that game. Like that game, that game to Detroit, we probably lose. That just feels like one of those games last season that we wouldn't have been able to pull it out. Um, Early in the season, probably just late in the season, we were kind of rolling when it, when it came to the ground game. Um, see, the bird Matt says the birds blew a 31 14, blew a 31 14 lead and only won because of a stiff QB and Goff and an inept head coach who attempted an onside kick. I can't believe he had, I kind of knew it was coming eventually, I thought it was going to come earlier in the game. Um, but yeah, I give Zach McPherson uh, a lot of credit because a lot of special teams players, you know, they're as soon as the ball is kicked, they're taken off and he didn't take off. He, st- he stood his ground and was able to come up with that ball. And I hope gave the Eagles a short field, like, and the offense was able it. to move the, the offense was able to move the football. Um, you gotta give them, they scored 38 points. The bad, just, you can't give up 35 points to Detroit. Like you just can't do that. And Bowtie Band says, man, you guys kill me 30 points in a win and y'all making an issue out of nothing. There's definitely some things to make issue of. But like I said, are we overreacting a little bit to week one? There's definitely some things we're probably overreacting to that will clean themselves up. But let's face it, Bowtie, it was really bad on the Russian defense. The offensive line did not look that great. And Jalen Hurts throwing 13 targets to one guy. And then four targets or less to five other guys. Matt Stafford does the same thing with Cooper Cup, though. So like, he does, but, but he does. But Cooper Cup, I mean, is Cooper Cup. The only thing is, like, so it may seem like right now we're making a lot of issues out of nothing. But come next Tuesday, if they play the same way, especially defensively, that they that they played 
Um, Jacoby Dean played three plays. They're 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 getting them in there. They're easing them in because Kaiser White, T.J. Edwards, and we we know Matt joined Hassan late because the fire Howie came late, but. Matt, we did talk about Nicobe Dean earlier. We said he is it's more justifiable to let Nicobe Dean be weaned into it a little bit versus a guy like Jordan Davis or versus a guy like Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Nicobe Dean can afford that time. TJ Edwards and Kaiser White had really good games. They had really good games. So there's no complaining on that front. So Nicobe Dean can take his time. He came in with that injury history. Um, and he's got to learn the defense. And I would say linebacker is a little bit harder than nose tackle, probably. So, um, I mean, it, it'll take time, but I think you'll see Dean by midseason. He'll probably be playing like 75 plus percent yeah. of snaps so at the linebacker. Kind of, kind of going back to Bowtie's comment about making an issue out of nothing. It seems like it's an issue out of nothing now. But like I was mentioning, if we come in here next Tuesday and the Eagles get blown out by Minnesota because of the same things that Gannon was doing this past Sunday. That's not an issue. That's something that needs to be taken care of. The biggest issue is, I don't know if you heard um, um, Sirianni's press conference. I don't know if it was yesterday or if it was Sunday, but he said that like he's not a defensive expert, so like he kind of just asks questions. And, Do you have an issue with that, with Sirianni? Like, he gave up get, get play calling because he wanted to be more hands-on with the team. You have an issue with him not trying. I don't, and I'm not saying he's not trying to learn the defense, but he admitted pretty much that, like, look, I don't, I don't know what I'm like. I don't know what I'm just there. You have an issue with that? I mean, at least he trusts his guys to do the job. There's some head coaches who don't trust the guys to do the job, and will like like look at the situation that came up with Doug Peterson where he just took over the play calling duties out of the blue or he gave them up and then he took them back when things weren't going right. So I don't, I don't know. Like I don't take a whole lot of issue to it because that's some head coaches are better like that. Nick Sirianni, maybe he's just better as a delegator and he has a lot of faith in his coordinators. We'll see about that. Gannon definitely has to improve this week. Better get the team ready because Dalvin Cook, um, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Um, they, they got a very, very good uh, squad coming in here that can put up a lot of points. You saw what they did against Green Bay, which Green Bay, obviously, they don't like week ones for some reason. I think they've been outscored by like 60-some-odd points the last two week ones. Um, so so we'll see what happens. But Monday Night Football next week, we can't wait. We're, we're going to be back on uh, Friday. But before we finish off, one of our favorite segments is the Unheralded Player of the Week. Uh, for the previous week in the, in the schedule. Now, what do we mean by unheralded, Connor? We don't want the Patrick Mahomes, you know, the A.J. Browns, the Devontae. We don't want the, the, the guys that everybody knows about, those number, the first-rounders in, in fantasy. We want somebody that goes un, unnoticed. Um, so who is your unheralded? And it doesn't have to be an eagle. It can be anybody in the NFL. Who's your unheralded player of the week for week one in the NFL? I want to start by saying, and I hate picking this because we have their first round pick and, Saints. you know, yeah. And, you know, we want them to do really bad, but I got to point out the Falcons. So you say Green Bay hates week ones. The Falcons hate having big leads. Let's just That's face it. Too. These guys cannot. That's a good one. Nikki, by the way, Curtis Samuel would be a very good one. Um, but I'm going with Jervis Landry and I'm going with Jervis Landry because sure. He had seven receptions for 114 yards. He had a huge game. The past two – Jervis Landry is a guy I love 
and he's a hard guy to dislike. He's like he's a super good guy. You can tell he's a really good guy. He carries himself very well. He's a perfect veteran wide receiver that you'd want. And I kind of wanted him in Philadelphia for a while because I think he could have been a great veteran presence. And then they got A.J. Brown and piece of receiving room together, and there was no room for him. But Jarvis Landry got – well, of course, that'll never stop. Jarvis Landry just had such a rough time those two seasons in Cleveland, and I felt so bad. It was just such a bad situation to be a wide receiver with Baker Mayfield and that offense that was clearly run first, almost on par with us the last two seasons. Um, so I went with Jarvis Landry for this one because, man, the guy got buried for two years, and he is a lot better than what those last two years showed. So I think he's going very- a big season in New Orleans. And he's very versatile. And I thought that Atlanta was going to win that. I was thinking top five pick for the Eagles, and that's probably not. I mean, it still could happen, but, like, that was very discouraging as an Eagles fan with the Saints' first-round pick. So can I say the Bucks defense? <laughs> the Bucks defense has a lot of stars. Devin White's really good. Jack that, that By the way, that, that Prescott injury is huge. He, they think huge. he'll be back in, by the Eagles game. They're not yeah, putting they're, him on they're IR. saying that he could be back within like four to four six weeks. weeks. Um, I follow a few guys that injury doctors for fantasy football purposes, and they say no chance. Um, so I'm gonna hold out hope there's no chance, and that it is more of a six to eight week thing, and that they go like you know one in seven or two so wins, stick, two wins max. Do they stick that would with put Cooper, us in a good spot? Do they stick with Cooper Rush, or do they try to trade for like a Mason Rudolph? Jimmy Garoppolo. I heard they're in the Jimmy G sweepstakes. So I think that they will be forced to make a move. Like you want to position yourself. If you end up 500 by the time he gets back, you're in a good spot. If you're three or four games back of 500, you're in a really bad spot. Washington started out looking pretty good. The New York Giants started out with a win, but I think that's kind of fluky. There was a lot of big ball plays by Brian Dayball that put them in that, that crazy win. But Washington didn't actually look that bad. Washington's actually gonna, looked pretty good. So if we don't win don't the division, Washington. If we don't win the division, Washington's winning the division. I remember you saying that, and 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 that's the thing. Like you don't want to be coming out. Dak doesn't want to come back to being four or five games below five hundred. There's probably no chance you win in the NFC. He was really position. bad when he was healthy, though, in that game. Like Dallas looked like crap. And you remember, and I'll get to my unheralded player before. <laughs> Amari Cooper, Dak looked like trash. With Amari Cooper, he looked good. No Amari Cooper, he still looks like trash. So, you know, maybe there's a there's a reason why Jerry didn't want to pay him. Put it that way. I like um, Isaiah Pacheco as well, Nikki. That's a that's a good choice. Although they pulled CEH for him because they were blowing the team out. I have so. CEH in fantasy, so I need CEH to get all the touchdowns he can get like in, in before they pull out their starters and uh, blow out games. So my unheralded player of the week the kickers were awful this week in the nfl awful but <laughs> rodrigo blankenship got released like he really? yeah he got cut by the colts for missing that game winning field goal in so overtime i'm going with cade york the kicker of the browns who kicked mm. the 58 yarder he's a ro- rookie this year kicked a 58 yarder that could have made it from 70 he killed that football against uh, against Carolina, and he got the game-winning uh, field goal. And we don't give kickers enough love in this, uh, you know, in, in this world, unless your name is Justin Tucker. Um, but the consistent ones just get buried because they're just that good. So you're just kind of like, oh, whatever. 
don't worry about him. It's fine. Like he's a really good kicker, kind of like Jake Elliott last year. He had an amazing season. The but the you're right. The the good kickers, the consistent kickers, don't get enough credit. And then yeah, the know, Cleveland Browns tweeted out. That's why you That's drafted because the the they drafted him like early day three. So yeah, it was like a fourth four. round pick, right? Like weird. Yep. Um, but yeah, so he he had a he killed he killed that football. Absolutely killed it. And he was a he's a rookie. He was at LSU LSU last year. So I, I have to give the kicker some love. So I'm going with Cade York. <coughs> Excuse me. And you went with Jarvis Landry. All right, and we got a couple. We had some good. Um, Isaac Pacheco, Curtis, Curtis. I was actually thinking of Curtis Samuel, um, but yeah, Car- Carson Wentz. I know he had some brain glitches and where he threw back to back picks, but Carson Wentz has that, a chance that's to be Carson Wentz. We know that we've been there with that man. The yeah. guy, the guy has a brain. I still miss Carson. I miss Carson Wentz though. I won't lie. Um, so before we finish off, we will be back Friday night. I believe so, right? Friday, Connor. Um, the Eagles get you ready for Eagles Vikings Monday night football. Home opener at the link. There's two Monday night games this week. The Eagles get Buck and Aikman as the second game kicks off at 8.30. Dude, the link's going to be rocking. I can't wait for this home opener. Um, I just hope the Eagles are ready for it. I hope they're ready for it. Absolutely. I I, I agree with you, and I hope there are some some changes in the defense and – and kind of in the offense as well. I want to see a little bit of difference there and get things on the right track. I'll take it. I'll I'll say it was week one. It was frustrating at times, but I will say maybe we're overreacting a little bit and hopefully we're there's some change fans. We're we're rational. We don't overreact. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you to everybody in the comments. We appreciate you you're getting involved in in the show. Um, you know, especially the fire Howie. You know, Howie. To win another Super Bowl, and I'm sure Matt will say fire. Our Howie show would never be right if if he didn't pop in and say <laughs> fire Howie. So we we appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. As always, follow us on Twitter at the, at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor Ten. Follow me on Twitter at LG Harrell Fifty Four. Um, follow the Painted Lines on Twitter and YouTube at the Painted Lines, and follow Edge of Philly Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and. YouTube at Edge of Philly Sports. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. He's Connor. I'm LJ. Have a good one. You want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going.